Hello, and welcome to the first episode of In Depth with Preston Byers, a podcast focusing on different people that make up our world. Preston Byers is a contributing writer at .esports.com, former site expert at unionandblue.com, and current journalism student at Youngstown State University. The podcast's first guest, United team reporter and Orlando Sentinel sports clerk Zach Lang, talks with Preston about the latest news and drama in sports. Topics include parody in the NBA, NASCAR's declining viewership, and the Overwatch League's recent deal with Disney. Thank you for listening to the show, and we hope to have you back for future episodes. I have with me now Zach Lang. How you doing, Zach? Good. How are you, man? I'm doing really good. I'm really hot, very sweaty. I got swamp ass over here. Um, so you're a team reporter for United and you just got hired as a sports clerk for the Orlando Sentinel. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, excited to start at the Sentinel and then also, well, hold on. I'm sorry. We're leaving Swamp Ass out of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely keeping it in. You can't make me. I was like, whoa. (laughs) They're going to get to know me real quick. So you're just uh, starting at the Sentinel. Where? Uh, when do you officially start work? Um, hopefully here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm not really sure of the timeline yet, but figure it out as we go along. And you're covering high school uh, high school sports. Yeah, um, for the most part. All right. Um, and you are a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Why? Um. Well, basically, like. I was like eight years old when they drafted Sidney Crosby. I mean, I'm 21 now. He's been in the league for 15 years. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but um, I kind of just rolled with it ever since then. Like he was eight years old and, or I was eight years old and he was drafted and I was like, he was really good at eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey, he was good at eight years old. Have (laughs) you seen the video of him as a kid? He was insane. But no, um, but you're I mean, a, so just to preface this for the people that don't know, you are a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, you're a Baltimore Orioles fan, and then you're a fan of the Carolina Panthers and your NBA team's the Hornets, right? Yeah, I mean, I I grew up in Richmond, Virginia. Um, Richmond, Virginia doesn't have any sports franchises other than like minor league stuff. It's one of those. It's like one of those mid-major cities that just never got a franchise in any sport. Pretty much like Columbus before enough. the Blue Jackets. Yeah, like it's just like not a significant enough city to have a franchise there. Nobody would support it, and so like as a Richmonder, you kind of just pick and choose. A lot of people pick like Washington D.C. sports to follow. Yeah, but. Even when I was a kid, you know, base they all they had was really the Redskins. They didn't have the Nationals yet because they were still in Montreal, and the Capitals. I don't think they. I don't know when the Capitals came to Washington. Mm, well, I think it was like seventies or eighties, but they were. Really well, I mean, bad they were not good yeah, at the they time. Were awful. And um, so the Washington Wizards, which I believe were still called the Bullets. Yeah. Uh. I mean, they were uh, – they no, I believe they were the Wizards when I was a kid. Like, really – might have been really young when they switched think, the name. Yeah, but I think they changed I just in the mid-90s. wasn't a big NBA fan, really. I, I still am – I'm still a very casual-level NBA fan. So, I, I just don't – So, were you a Bobcats fan? I mean, vaguely, yeah. I mean, the NBA is one of those fran- – like, it's one of those leagues where, I, like, I, I follow it yeah. on a news – 
basis, but like I really don't care enough to like watch games and stuff until it co comes to the playoffs. Very casual level fan for that. I'm very much like that for basketball, but like especially baseball. I don't. I like going to the games. Like I just went to a Cleveland Indians game with Lauren, and we went. Uh, and they played the A's, and it was like awesome. I had a great time. I blew out my tire when we were coming back, but that's that was not part of the game. But it was like a fun thing to do. But watching on TV, just I can't do it. Like I just rather go to the game and watch it. I can't. I can't do it until it's playoff time. And I feel like a lot of fans are like that, especially with the major sports, um, the Super Bowl excluded, just because it's like everybody watches it, no matter if you know anything about football or not. So it's it's weird. Like the playoffs just kind of get people to watch, and it's pretty cool to talk to people about playoff uh, sports, even though they might not know shit about it, you know? I think for the NBA, like, playoffs is where the star power meets the star power yeah. for, like, a seven-game series, you know, instead of, like, just one night. Mm -hmm. So that's really what turns people on, because that's what the NBA – I mean, that's what any sport is, but the NBA specifically has built its back and built its brand off the back of star power. Yeah, well, it's because – like okay so in football you have 11 players on the field at one time basketball you have five so the impact one player can make as an individual is much greater and, of course highly yeah. agree and so lebron can go to one of the worst teams in the nba and make them at least competing for a playoff spot where if he was a baseball player and he goes to say the reds well like the reds when they're really bad he's not going to make that big of an impact like mike trout is a phenomenal baseball player but he can't single-handedly make the angels the greatest team so i i think it's it definitely is a star driven league and we'll just segue into our first topic which is the nba and is there parity in the NASC national basketball association and i don't as of right now it doesn't seem like there's yeah, enough i don't but... i don't i don't know if there's ever been like true parity because when you look at the 90s, Michael Jordan and the Bulls won six championships. That doesn't seem like it's very even across the board. And then in the 2000s, you had, what, the Pistons and the Spurs and the Lakers. Kobe Bryant and Shaq. Yeah, so I look at it in and the say... the 90s, the early 2000s. Yeah, like you, there's always been dominant teams, and they've always had multiple star players. Maybe not the Pistons because I can't really say that there's like superstar players, but they were all good players. Tayshaun Prince, Chauncey Billups, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace. They were really good players, just not like superstars like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. But they've, they've, the NBA has always been like that. The Celtics from the 60s with Bill Russell were filled with star power. They had a bunch of Hall of Famers on their team. It's always been like that. And I that's why when people bring up the parody thing, it's like, I don't think there's ever been. I don't know why we're complaining about it now. It's just a team that's not like we don't like to watch them, so that's why people complain. I guess are are people can are people complaining about it now because the Golden State Warriors are the most dominant of any like sports team era. Ever? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are they the most dominant? I mean, other than Michael Jordan's Bulls, are I would they say the most they're. Dominant? I'd say they're more dominant than Jordan's Bulls. Because at least that's when, a big that's a big statement there. But 
I say that because they've won three championships out of four years, and they should have won four straight years had it not been LeBron and Kyrie being like the greatest things like ever for at least a Cleveland sports fan. But so they've won three out of four years. They've pretty much wiped the floor with the Cavs the last two years, and I just don't see, I, I don't see a way for them not to be the most dominant. Because I think when they match six championships in eight years, yeah. then we can we can we can start talking about that. But I, I think, think it's too that... early to call them the dominant. Uh, uh, maybe the, maybe not the most dominant. I think that they're the best team, like the best team assembled in the history of the NBA. On paper, yeah, I'd agree. Because uh, I, and it's hard to say. Well, let's pit the 95-96 Bulls against the 2017-18 Warriors because the game has changed completely. The three-point uh, three-point shot is way more important and way more used than it uh, than it was um, 20 years ago. So, like, we can't really make that argument. But I just think when you just look at the roster, you just like this team could be an All-Star team. Like it literally, you could put those players on the floor and you'd be like, yeah, that's the Western Conference All-Stars. And you wouldn't really think anything about it. I just I just don't see, I, they're just great. And they're even greater because they just signed to Marcus Cousins and people flipped shit over it because he signed a one-year $5.3 million contract. He declined, I think, a, a two- or three-year um, extension with the pelicans and he went to golden state instead and people just lost their minds because they hate when players build super teams and they especially hate it when they take less money than they they would normally get and i i don't like okay i get why because they're already a great team and you're just making them a greater team but i'm also thinking what's the point of getting mad over it because it's their choice you know I mean, I feel like it comes down to – and can people really hate a player for surrounding himself with other good players? And his thing is that he wants to win a championship basically and then he'll go into free agency. If he can't beat him, join him. Yeah, and that's what KD did. And, I mean, obviously KD's way better than DeMarcus Cousins. Like he's a he's an MVP caliber player. But still, like this is what happens. Like Dennis Rodman joined the Chicago Bulls. Obviously, Dennis Rodman's Dennis Rodman, and Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant, and Marcus Cousins, Demarcus Cousins. But still, I just think this is what people have done forever. And I just I get so mad when the old NBA players, the '80s, '90s guys, say, "Oh, back in my day, I'd never do that." Like, shut up, because you're not as good as Kevin Durant. Like, other than, like, a handful of players. You're not as good as Kevin Durant. You didn't make this much money, and you didn't have the option to join this good of a team. And if I were an NBA player and I was more about championships than the money, I would obviously go to the Warriors or go to the Rockets, or when LeBron was at the Cavs, I would go to the Cavs, because that's where you're going to win championships. Yeah, it's funny because these fans that get mad about a player joining a quote-unquote super team, it's the same people that judge players based off of how many rings they have on their fingers. So it becomes really hypocritical to uh, you know, negatively view a player for joining a super team and then also 
somehow deciphering between which teams are super teams and not, and then saying, oh, well, this player deserved these rings versus this person didn't, and I'm going to judge a player solely off of these rings. Because at the end of the day, you can go into statistics, and I, I love to, but a lot of people at the casual level and you know even not, they, they go based off of how many championship rings you have. And I don't think you could ask any player in the NBA right now, oh, hey, would you like to join the Golden State Warriors? Yeah, I think it's ridiculous. How many? And, How and, many? Nobody. Yeah. There's there's, yeah, there's not really anybody. And LeBron is 3-6 and six in finals. He has, he has lost six finals, and Michael Jordan has won six. And people will hold that over him until he dies. And but he got the nine finals, and he probably won't get to another one. I don't. I don't think he'll ever get to another one, especially during the Lakers. But wow, I don't. Do you think he'll get to one? Yeah, I think he does. With the Lakers. Yeah, I do. Do you think they get Kawhi or something? I don't think they get Kawhi. I just think LeBron's greatness at some point in the next four years sneaks them into one. I don't know. Maybe I I could see it if uh, Steph's ankles are kind of bothering him again because I know that was a point um, during this season where his ankles weren't the greatest of shape. But I I personally don't see it happening. But I I've doubted LeBron before and he's proven me wrong pretty much every time. So I I shouldn't doubt him. So all it takes is one of the starting five on the Warriors to like tear their ACL and it's a whole new ball game. Yeah, that's true. Like all it takes is Clay Thompson falling on his leg the wrong way in a regular season game. And then the doors to the Western Conference have officially been blown open at that point. And that's pretty much what happened last year in the East with uh, Hayward going down in the first game. Because I don't think. I don't know if the Cavs could have beat the Celtics had Hayward no. been there. So no, there, no way. Yeah. So it's not just kind even of lo- the not only not only Gordon Hayward but Kyrie Irving falling in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you had a bunch of kids out there in a game seven that got nervous and chucked up a bunch of garbage threes and went some ridiculously low percentage on game seven threes. I mean, they were like. I don't even know the percentage off the top of my head, but it was something so garbage that we could probably do better combined. Well, I know I can. I'm pretty <laughs> good. But um, moving on, it, it's related to the NBA, though, is the NBA 2K League. You have been DMing me and our group chat talking about the 2K League. It is the first uh, professional sports um, league that is running their own esports league. And it's not going great, um, to say the least. This is per the Esports Observer. Their inaugural tournament, the tip-off, there were an average of 6.5K uh, concurrent viewers, and the peak was 13,000. And they've been floating around 10, yeah, like about 10-ish thousand viewers in their regular season games, right? What... What do you think about this? Like, what don't you like about this league, and what do you like about it? Well, I mean, uh, from people that I've talked to in the sports business industry uh, that are reporters um, and, and that are also basketball insiders, uh, a couple people at the Sports Business Daily Journal, to name a uh, to name it, uh, 
I mean, they NBA investors and NBA insiders, when they invested in this league, they thought that this league was. Gonna, I'm, I'm not kidding you, Preston. They thought this league was going to get 200,000 viewers. I, I, uh, they're so stupid. Like, I don't have a business degree. I, oh, hold, I just... hold on, hold on. Let, let's break this down. If they could have somehow promoted the NBA 2K League draft right after the NBA Finals and used the NBA Finals to promote their new 2K League and had they would have had a marketing plan that was centric around the end of the NBA playoffs leading into a summer online 2K League, would that not have done better than what they did instead? Oh, it Which definitely would have done better, a, but... They would have slapped... Instead, they decided to slap the NBA 2K League draft somewhere in like mid mid April or something like that. And then they had this opening tournament that nobody knew the rules to. The gameplay was rough. And just like we've had this similar um, fate, you want to call it, they, they don't know how the viewing product is going to be off the bat. And as a viewer... And as a company who is trying to appeal to viewers and as an esport that's trying to appeal to viewers, you have about 15 minutes before somebody makes their deduction of what your league is. First time viewer will watch for probably five to 10 minutes and either go, this is, this is great or this is stupid. This is awful. Yeah. So, and I think most people have man, said it's awful because they're not tuning in. They're, uh, and it's it's a shame because the the viewing product now, if you actually watch it right now, it's a lot better than where it was in three months. But these guys that they drafted, they gave them like what, like a week of practice before they were playing their first tournament. Yeah, they. Yeah, I mean that's a, yeah. that's stupid. That's a, that's an awful model. They should have had months. I I just. I was so hyped about it when it started, and then just two weeks later, it was gone. I just didn't care at all. And there wasn't really anything that they did. It was just they didn't keep me interested. Once the draft was over, there was bad. nothing for me to keep going. Like, I mean, simply put, the product is bad. And I think I, I don't I don't know what they could have done. Maybe make it one v one would have been the like a better solution instead of having five different players play five different positions. I honestly think the five on five makes sense. I think it was just a very half baked idea by a bunch of executives that thought they could cash in on esports, but didn't, didn't actually yeah, don't know, know how what or what esports is or yeah. was. Yeah. Speaking of clueless executives, NASCAR. You like that segue? Let's go for it. Um. So you went to last week's Daytona race, correct? Yep, the uh, Daytona July night race. It was fantastic. And you, a fantastic show. And you won the tickets on the radio? Yeah, it was radio competition, got tickets, and uh, it was fun. Made a weekend of it. Drove up to Daytona, and I mean, the, the, the seats that they gave us, I was really pleasantly surprised that the seats I got were, like, actually pretty good. Um yeah, it was always, it's always fun going to the track. I mean, I grew up a NASCAR fan. I grew up in Richmond, Virginia again, so, like, you kind of like, you know, NASCAR culture was is 
and still is, but was more so to a degree when I was a kid growing up, a staple of, you know, our local economy with Richmond International Raceway. And we have two races uh, at Richmond and just everybody like everybody was a huge fan because we don't have any professional sports there. And I mean, yeah, we can always talk about how the viewership has gone down. So I'm sure that's the topic here. But yeah, why why has the viewership gone down? If because you say that going to the track is really fun and being there is exciting, but people aren't tuning in at home. It's a concoction of bad luck, bad decision making at the corporate level and, and at the executive level, and and just general fad fattiness. I guess, I'm using a word that I just made up of sport. Um, so what do you mean by bad luck? Like what are they getting unlucky with? I think the number one thing that they, they got unlucky with was the recession. Uh, and I still think they feel the effects of the recession because NASCAR fans are typically lower income in comparison to uh, other sports fans of different sports. And I think uh, especially in the Deep South, you see still a lot of people that – uh, are earning wages that will not earn them a trip or, or, you know, they don't have enough excess income to, to blow hundreds of dollars on going to a race uh, compared to where they did maybe 15, 10 years ago. Uh, and, and I think the local economy in a lot of these areas, people don't realize it because it's not reported on, but having driven through it, having had, family that lives in it, having had peers that go through it. I, I mean, I, I've, I see how bad the economy is in certain areas and and how bad people's livelihoods are. And I think that's the number one thing that has really led to bad luck. Yeah, and and you you and I have talk, uh, talked about this before, is the format change where they went to stages where um, instead of just – racing an entire you know 400 500 lap race they split it up into three four stages where you know race um drivers would win stages earn points for them and their team but they would still um continue on with the the actual race and i think people are kind of turned off by that it's kind of a like i don't think it's a a horrible idea it's just like why like i don't i didn't see the reason for the change like what what do you think about it and we can we can talk about the bad corporate executive decisions made by nascar for another hour if we really wanted to dig that deep into the weeds with it but i mean simply put yeah i mean they've made so many different rules changes that even the most hardcore fan doesn't know the full rule set anymore and it's very similar to NFL fans, uh, where nobody knows what the hell a catch is uh, in this league, and nobody knows what uh, helmet-to-helmet contact is, and, and what targeting, targeting is, is yep. and what yeah. I mean, there's so many different rule changes that are changing by the changing by the year. It feels like they're changing by the minute, right? And you have all of these bad decisions that are being made by NASCAR in such a short amount of time that, simply put, uh, people have been turned off by it and subsequently they're turning off their tv yeah and it's pretty 
it's pretty extreme the uh, like the drop has been really big and although viewership across tv is declining with people uh cutting the cord nascar's viewership is down 19 percent uh from last year um that's on fox and fs1 races and it's down 29 percent from two years ago so people are just not having it like it's it's pretty much done um uh, okay we'll we'll move on we talked enough crap on nascar we'll go to the uh, former carolina panthers owner jerry richardson this is a topic that is very near and dear to your heart you're a diehard panthers fan and a lot of people will have an opinion on this because richardson is a scumbag and he is a racist. He is um, a sexual assaulter. Uh, well, I, I could describe him in many ways, but he's not a good guy. Um, if you're not aware of him, he was caught giving monetary se uh, settlements within the Panthers organization for sexual misconduct and racist remarks. He uh, called a scout a racial slur, an African-American scout. He um, said something racist to him. And he's giving significant. He gave significant monetary settlements due to inappropriate workplace comments, according to Sports Illustrated. He had to sell the team under pressure. He had to. He sold it for 2.3 billion dollars to David Tepper, who is contractually obligated to keep the 13-foot statue of Richardson in front of the stadium. What do you think about this entire situation? Well, I mean, it's it's unfortunate because you uh, you want to love the person that brought football to your favorite place, and my favorite place is the Carolinas. But I mean, you can't help but feel icky after like even remotely supporting this guy, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it it gets to a point where well, I can speak for. I feel like I could. Speak for a majority of Panthers fans, where it's like you, you, you love the, you love the person, but you hate the sin. Mm -hmm. But you also, you also get to a point now where you've seen everything unfold, and as it was unfolding, it was like, oh, well, we can still support Jerry. And then uh, as it unfolds and you, you see everything, you go, oh, okay, um, more and more comes out, and you're just like, all right, well, now it comes to a point where you just need to leave town quietly. And, uh, you know, well, I, I wanted to ask this because I, although the situations are completely different, the time is completely different. I think of Joe Paterno and how the Penn State investigation was handled and how his statue was taken down when he was fired or resigned or whatever. And I think about this in the same, in the same like uh, frame of mind is that how will his legacy, uh, how, it, how is it? with Panthers fans now because he's obviously a fig uh, like a great figure for them for bringing football to Carolina but he's also a really bad guy and the end of his tenure was horrible so it's completely stained and ruined and I don't think anybody can test that I think for the most part everybody's appreciative that he did the opening act of bringing football to the Carolinas and that's that's where you leave it and everything after that and all of the things that he did that was found out about, I, you can't support that. And simply put, it's unacceptable. It's, and 
that's where it's going to be. That's where it's going to leave off. And the new chapter is hopefully going to be, I mean, everything that our, you know, the new owner has stated seems to be that of inclusiveness and hopefully we can take him at his word. And Yeah. Like hopefully I never have to hear about this guy again. Like great for him. He brought the Panthers to Carolina, but let's move on. Um, so let's move on to a different topic. Manny Machado, third baseman for the Baltimore Orioles, not for long. Shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles. Shortstop, yep, because I'm a great baseball writer. Uh, so he's a shortstop <laughs> for the Baltimore Orioles, but he won't be for probably like – probably within the next 48 hours, he won't be on the Orioles. Uh, I mean, from everything that I'm reading on Twitter right now, it seems as if the deal is pretty much done. They're just waiting until the All-Star game is over. Yeah. Keep in mind, we're for for people that are watching this or listening Listen. to it rather, we're we're literally the All-Star game is taking place on a Tuesday night. Yeah. Which side note, why the fuck is an All-Star game happening on Tuesday night? That is the worst time slot I think I've ever heard of. But regardless, I digress from that. It looks like on to L.A. Looks like he's L.A. dreaming. Which, so, which is like, I think it's the for a person that roots for the Indians, and I guess Cleveland's not a small market, but definitely a lot smaller when you compare it to L.A. or New York. It just kind of sucks to see a great player go to a huge market. And when the Yankees jumped into the into the race and they were like, oh, they're making a strong offer for Machado, I was just thinking, this is like the worst timeline ever. because I'm I, excited. I'm yeah. excited for him. Well, you're I getting so something happy. in return. I'm not. I don't, I don't care what we're getting in return because I know the Orioles will just screw it up. Yeah, so you have, you have no faith in the front no. office? Oh, I have no faith. The Orioles will not be good again until the current ownership – I mean, respectfully passes away because Peter Angelos is like 150. And it seems like from everything that I've read and seen, uh, there's terrible like insider disputes between Angelos and Brady Anderson, who's an exec with the Orioles, and Dan Duquette, who's the general manager. Now Peter Angelos' sons are involved in the decision-making. Nobody knows who's making the decisions at the Baltimore Orioles. Which means nobody is making the decisions. Nobody knows. Nobody's making the decisions. They're literally watching a team crumble before their very eyes. Yeah, Manny Machado is brokering his own deal to the Dodgers tonight. He's... He's in the dugout hey, I, on I, his phone saying, I "Hey, I want to come to LA now." I just, respect you. I, I don't. Uh, well, I okay. So I told you this, and the listeners don't know this, but I played for the Orioles when I played one year of little league. So I have a soft spot in my heart for them, and I'm going to be very angry when they're not good. And also, Jim Tomey, who is my favorite player of all time, played for the Orioles for a little bit. So I. I also have a spot, soft spot there. I mean, the Orioles are already not good. Yeah, but they're going to be awful. Worst they're going to be base. Reds, like, the, uh, like last year's Reds. Oh, they're the worst team. They're worse than the Reds as it stands right now. Yeah. And now I mean, going to take their best player. I mean, I'm honestly so stoked for Manny. Like, I'm so happy for him. Yeah. Um, he, he just made the Los Angeles Dodgers the front runners for the World Series representation for the National League. Um, the Dodgers are the front are the front runners now to represent the NL. 
and he's finally going to see a World Series, hopefully, and hopefully he wins it. And uh, I hope he re-signs with L.A. Do you think um, he will, or do you think he'll go somewhere else? It's way too early to tell, um, especially since they have Corey Seager. I mean, Corey Seager's out for the year with, with surgery, but I would say if, it, if the Dodgers are trading for Machado, I do believe that Machado would probably go elsewhere at the end of the year because Seager's going to be back, and it appears that Max Muncy is the answer going forward at third base. So, I mean, it kind of feels like the odd man out there. Uh, or Seeger would be the odd man out if Manny resigned, and then you move Seeger to somewhere else. But I feel like Seeger's way too attractive of a player to just um. So, I mean, if you get to if you get a half season rental of Manny Machado, and you, you get it. a you get a World Series appearance, I mean, honestly, I feel like that's what it's gonna be. I mean, who's gonna? I mean, the NL is super weak. Well, that really. You know, stands out, and, and you know you have the Brewers, who have you know a decent team, but you're wondering if they're going to make that next step up. You have the Dodgers, who have a litany of injuries, but now they have Manny Machado, who's a generational, you know, one of a, the generational talents. And then you have the Phillies, who, you know, we're not really sure where they're going to be at come October. And then you have the Cubs, which you're not really sure if they're going to be able to, yeah, you're not really sure if they're going to be the ones that make that deep playoff push like they did a few years ago or not. I I think the Dodgers just got, even if they have to give up two top five prospects, which is probably what they're going to give up. If you're in win now mode, you should be able and willing to win now mode. Yeah. Especially with a week, with a week league, especially with a week now. Yeah. So before we move on to uh, the last topic, when do you think will be the next time the Baltimore Orioles make the playoffs? Hopefully before I'm 40. Okay, so not before you're 40. Definitely not. (laughs) I I guess. I Um, I don't know. So the Overwatch League, we are both big esports fans. We write about esports. The Overwatch League is on Disney, ABC, and ESPN. The league signed a multi-year deal to uh, be broadcast on these major networks. Uh, First, does esports need to be on TV? Does it need to be on television to be recognized? I think it certainly helps the legitimacy of it all. Yeah, because I always – people always say, well, like, we could be on TNT or TBS with E-League. And I just think, like, it's not necessary because people have obviously tuned in when it's not on TV, but it it definitely seems nice, you know. Like I think it's necessary for the legitimacy of it, yeah. of it all. I, I mean, I, I feel like it's not for the ratings. It's more so for the forty-somethings that want to find out what esports is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they they wanna they wanna see what the kids are talking about nowadays. Um. Where do you see esports programming uh, going from here? Like, will there be more leagues to follow suit and be on TV? Because right now it's really just E League and Overwatch League. Programming in terms of television programming? Yeah, like, would uh, tournaments be broadcast on television? Do you think? I think uh, I think esports is so ahead of the wave 
from a television perspective, I, I think television is going to jump the shark before esports gets really big. What I mean by that is I don't think esports needs television. I definitely. I think television's a dying breed in its own. Uh, I believe in the next five years, there's going to be a Twitch channel that's dedicated to 24/7 esports coverage, like ESPN. Daily running, 24/7, 365, always running Twitch channel that would have high production value, that would have tons of money behind it that would have all of the rights to major leagues and they would you know they would run cod programming and they would run uh, cs programming and league programming and dota programming and that's where we're going to be in the next five years the overwatch league did it surprise you in its first season pleasantly yes there were a lot of people that tuned in and i was Taken back by it, actually. I didn't expect it to get to 200, 300,000 viewers, and they crushed it. Um, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it, man. Obviously, this is the first episode, so segues are pretty much non-existent, and I am pretty nervous and sweaty. And but again, thank you, Zach. I really appreciate you coming on, man. What are you? Yeah, for sure. What are you working on in the near future for E United and the Sentinel? Uh, nothing much. Um, in terms of E United, just always writing about news and upcoming events. Uh, hoping to work on a couple of features here and there. Uh, and also with the Sentinel, I mean, I'm not really sure what my job duties are. That's almost too new to even talk about, but. Uh, appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you. Of course. Uh, plug your social media, please, so I don't have to. Yeah, uh, you can follow my Twitter at Zachary Loves It uh, or Zachary W. Lang. That's L-A-N-G-E, last name. Uh, uh, you probably will see this on the tweet anyway, so you'll be able to click it as you see it. Um, go to eunited.gg. Scroll down to the bottom of the page for all the news, latest news, or on the news tab on the top right-hand corner. Uh, and, yeah, that's pretty much it, man. And I'll see you in Columbus for champs? I'm hoping. No, there is no hoping. You are – I will drag your ass here. <laughs> I'm hoping. I'm hoping. We'll start a GoFundMe. All right. Sounds good. That's it for the first episode of In-Depth with Press and Fires. I want to thank our graphic designer and intro extraordinaire, Lauren, for helping out with the show. And thank you for listening. Catch you next time.